Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today something was impressed in my heart as I kept meditating on Jesus Christ, who he is and what he came to do on the earth. Everyone has a different opinion about who Jesus is. Some simply call him a wise man, some call him a philosopher. Some just call him a prophet, but not a son of God, depending on how they believe and see and probably the books that they read as they were growing up. Some think him a fictitious character. Some call him a strange man. Some call him a leader. Some call him the son of God. So we have many ideas. Jesus walks to his disciples and he says, Who do men say I am? And some say, that you Elias, some say you're Jeremiah, some say that you're one of those prophets. But who do you think? Now he asks his disciples. He's saying, there's a way I'm defined according to those who hear about me from afar. They call me Jeremiah coming back in the flesh. They call me Elias coming back in the flesh, as you've said. Some call me John the Baptist or one of those prophets. But let's get out from the mind of those which see him from afar. And let us now draw to the mind of you which know him, his disciples. He asks them, but whom do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is trying to tell us that there should be a difference between how we say or see who he is versus how those who don't have a relationship with him view him. And we have not, unfortunately, generally as a church, given as much emphasis to help even our born-again believers know the difference between how the world views Jesus Christ and how we view Jesus Christ. And it's easy for us to assume that we know him. It's easy for us to assume that we know him. But there are many places in scripture where Jesus said something with the men who were his disciples. And they knew not what he meant. There are many experiences in scripture where Jesus made certain expressions and the disciples could not interpret what Jesus meant. Even on his death, when the ladies go to the tomb to cleanse his body, as it was the custom of the Jews, and they don't find the body there. When they come back to the very men he walked with, he ate with, with whom he demonstrated life, signs, miracles, and wonders, some of them doubted that Jesus Christ was out of that grave. Not everyone who walked with Jesus, who had Jesus around them, really understood Jesus as they must understand him. And yet it is eternal life to know the one true God and his only son, Jesus Christ. So today, I just want to take you through a journey of understanding what it means to know. Because you would find two individuals who both say that they know Jesus Christ and perhaps are both born again of the Spirit and water, but there's something that draws a very clear difference between these two individuals. 
based entirely on their vision individually of Christ. First John, the first chapter, the first verse. If you read the Amplified Version, John makes a very powerful proclamation. And he says, we are writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. And the life, an aspect of his being, was revealed, made, manifest, demonstrated. And we saw, he says, as eyewitnesses and are testifying to declare to you that life, the eternal life, in him who already existed with the Father, who actually was made visible, was revealed to us, his followers. And verse 3, he says, What we have seen ourselves and heard, we are also telling you so that you may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us as this fellowship, that which is a distinguishing mark of Christians is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, that we touched, we saw, we tested, our eyes gazed upon the word of life. He did not say that we touched Jesus, we gazed on Jesus, our eyes beheld Jesus, our own hands handled Jesus. No, they saw the deeper revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. And in the eyes of that apostolic grace they see that this man was the word of life so John is not claiming the man that he ate food with John is not claiming of the man who did miracles before him John is not talking about the man whose home he knew and whose brothers he related with John is not talking about the man who spoke the same language with him that man was called Jesus John is talking about the man in whom he saw the word of life. Who do you say that I am? So when they are dealing with Jesus, they're dealing with more than a man in the flesh. When they're dealing with Jesus, they're dealing with more than just a Jew, with more than just a man in Galilee. They're dealing with more than just a man who walked with them and taught them the way of God. They beheld the deeper revelation and understood that this man was more than just a man. He was the very word of life. And that is the word of life, he says, that they saw. That is the word of life that they gazed upon and their eyes looked upon. That is the word of life that they handled, he says. We handled the word of life. And he says, to this end, we come to you to reveal to share this very word of life. That you'll not just see him as just the one man who came and died for the sins of God. But who exactly was he? So that word is made manifest and demonstrated. And there are eyewitnesses testifying. But they're not just testifying of the man of the flesh. They're testifying to you that life. I want you to understand how they see it. And as they're testifying to you that life. Peradventure they pray that they will invite you to that fellowship because they have a fellowship with the Father concerning that life through the word of life and so their ministry to the church is if only as we continue to share these things we might 
get you into the fellowship of the word of this life that you might connect to that life. That is how they knew Jesus. Who do you say I am? Are you saying he's the word of life because John told you he's the word of life? Or are you saying that he's the word of life because you actually understand that he is the word of life? Because if we were in this day and Jesus asks you, present day 2020, and he says, who do they say? Who do men say I am? We would say, some call you a prophet. We would say, some call you a teacher. We would say, some call you a philosopher. We would say, and we would say, John calls you the word of life. We would say, Luke calls you the son of man. We would say, Matthew calls you the son of David. But who do you say that I am? So yes, all of these things are true according to how they saw him. But what is the personal revelation of Jesus Christ to you? What is the personal revelation of Jesus Christ to you? Who is he to you? Because I have shared this before and I said, Christ is a revelation. That is why when Peter said that you are the Christ of God, Luke says it that way, you are the Christ the son of the living God. You are the Christ of God. And God says, flesh and blood revealed this not unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. This could not have come from your mind because no man knows me just by what other men say about me. A man truly knows me when I am revealed to them by the Father. And he says, blessed as thou son of Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my Father, which is in heaven. And sometimes we move by the revelation of men concerning Jesus Christ. Yes, you will have a wonderful teacher. And he will teach you as much as he can. But you have to transcend beyond what they tell you to experiencing Jesus Christ for yourself such that you know him personally. Who am I? Jesus says to you. What do you call me? Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? In Luke, the second chapter, the 22nd verse, read from the Amplified Bible, the Bible says that the time for their purification, the mother's purification, and the baby's dedication came according to the law of Moses when they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, you know, um, when a child was born, there were rituals that were done according to the customs of the Jew. The first ritual was the naming of the child. Eight days after a child was circumcised. And after the child is circumcised, there is a cleansing of the mother. And after the cleansing of the mother, 40 days after the birth of that child, they are taken to the temple for dedication. They are taking the king of kings and lord of lords to be dedicated by men which he created. And as it is written, verses 23, in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be set apart and dedicated and called holy to the Lord. And they came also to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. So when they're to bring a child, they are to offer them for the cleansing and sin offering and everything, which is also interesting because 
if you're making a sin offering for a child who knew no sin. Again, it tells you, even though they're the parents of Jesus, what they never knew about this man. Now, we continue. The Bible says, and now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, cautiously and carefully observing the divine law and looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been divinely revealed or communicated to him by that same Holy Spirit that was upon him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And prompted by the Holy Spirit. Now listen, prompted by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he came into the temple enclosure. Now do you understand what this is? This is a man who has existed far from the story of Mary and Joseph. He didn't even know the parents. And God appears to him and tells him that you will not die until you see the salvation of Israel, the consolation of Israel. So he holds on to that promise because he has a certain relationship with God. The Bible says that the Lord keeps his secrets with those that fear him. There are things in the spirit realm that are accessible for everyone. But there are things in the spirit realm that are not accessible for everyone. Should be, but they are not. I have defined three realms of authority. One time as I was sharing with our ministers. The first realm of authority is generic. And generic authority is simply the authority that was given generally to the church. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's generic you shall cast out devils in my name and they shall flee. That's generic. You know, you shall lay hands on the leprous and they shall be healed. That's generic. All of that is supposed to be the inheritance of every believer in Christ. Every believer in Christ. No matter where or where, every believer in Christ must be able to do that because these are the signs that shall follow all that believe. He did not say these are the signs that shall follow his ministers. No, he said these are the signs that shall follow all that believe. So anybody who believes has access. And then there's a realm of authority that is on a man who, according to their gifting of God on their lives, according to the calling of God on their lives, that as well exists. The apostolic has its authority. Paul speaks of the patience of the apostle, the signs and wonders of the apostolic. That authority in the realm of the apostolic is on the apostle because they are apostles. For example, if they are a prophet, the designing of spirits, the word of wisdom, and the word of knowledge, this authority favors the prophetic. You see? So we have different offices and callings of God and each of those callings have a certain authority in the spirit. But there is an authority that is ordained for the man whose heart, and I want you to listen to this, has learned to seek God the right way or in truth. Because one thing for me to be a prophet, but I'm not a seeker. It's one thing for me to be a pastor, but I'm not a seeker. It's one thing for me to be an evangelist, but I'm not a seeker. It's one thing for me to be a believer who is a teacher, but I'm not a seeker. So there's an authority that comes on a person who knows how to seek God in truth. Not just every seeker, but the seeker which knows how to seek him in spirit and in truth. That authority exists. That is why he speaks of the eunuch which is born. He speaks of the eunuch which is made of man. But he speaks also of the eunuch 
who mix themselves eunuch, who separate themselves for the sake of the kingdom. There is a glory in consecrating ourselves. There is that consecration with which we are consecrated in God. And there is that consecration with which we consecrate ourselves because we are consecrated by God. To be holy even as ye are holy. You see that? So, we're talking about that realm of authority. That realm of authority. Now, back to Simeon. This man is relating with God in a certain dimension. While the world does not know, while the world cannot understand, this man is relating with God. He knows what he has seen. If I can take you back to the story of the Magi, the wise men, which come looking for Jesus. And they go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh say, oh, go look for the boy so I may serve him myself. Of course, we knew Herod wanted to kill this boy. And uh, the scriptures tell us that when the whole of Israel heard and Herod heard that this boy was born, the Bible says he was troubled and the whole of Israel, the whole of Jerusalem was troubled. Now, it's interesting that when these wise men go to Herod, we discover by scripture that the news did not only end with Herod. The news was spread abroad that the king of kings is born. We don't know whether there were a couple of hundreds of thousands of people that got to know that news. But everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with Jesus. No one sought him. No one went looking for him. It's amazing. That means no man in Jerusalem at that particular point was connected to the will of the Father concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. No one went looking for him. No one. In fact, the whole of Jerusalem was troubled. It's amazing how Jesus can do or be something in a time where you expect people to know and connect to him and they are indifferent. Even those you most expect to know, they do not know. It has happened before. So there is a man who is existing out of the usual predictable time and way of things. And God tells him, you will not die until you see the salvation of Israel. So this man is waiting on God. And the day the mother has gone through the places of consecration, later we see Jesus Christ also is brought to the temple. Now, it was the way of Jewish custom that children were brought to the temple for dedication. And so tradition would have it that Jesus was not the only boy that day in the temple. Because sometimes they would want to do collectively. So the priests save time. So imagine a man who has not been connected to the family of Jesus. Has not heard of anything concerning the birth of Jesus. Except perhaps the things he has read. But God has given him an encounter that tells him you will not die until you see the salvation of the Lord. Now, this will shock you. But ancient texts say that actually Simeon was blind. So a man led by the Spirit blind, comes into the temple by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps there may be 20, 30 children. And the Bible says that prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure. And when the parents brought in the little child Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law, 
Simeon, the Bible says, took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God. And he says, and now, O Lord, you're releasing your servant to depart, to leave this world in peace, according to your word. For with my own eyes have I seen the salvation, your salvation, which you have ordained and prepared before in the presence of all people. He called him a light of revelation to the Gentiles to disclose what was before unknown. A light to the Gentiles. To display what was before unknown. And to bring praise and honor and glory to your people. And the Bible says, and his legal father and mother were marveling at what the man said. Why? They've never seen this man. They've never heard of this man. And he comes in led by the Holy Ghost. There are children in that temple. And he walks to the right guy and says, this must be the guy. Oh my goodness. What was that thing that by the Holy Spirit would show him who the Christ was? Who do you say I am, he says. So he walks to the mother and the father. He holds this man in the hand. And he says, now you can take your servant, he might depart. For my eyes have seen the salvation. Now, if it is true he was blind, that's even deeper. I've read ancient texts and traditions. They always say Simeon was blind. It's believed he was blind. Now, if he was blind, it means that he was seeing by another eye the revelation of Jesus Christ. And on top of that, led by the Holy Spirit, he's walking in a temple, looking at all children with his very own eyes. Are you hearing? His spiritual eye. And then he can walk to a child. That is what makes Joseph marvel. This fellow is walking in. And as I say, he's blind. And he walks to their own child. They have not told anybody in the temple what the story is. And then he gets this boy and lifts him up. And he says, this is the light of the Gentile. Who is this guy? I see them saying, who is this guy? They're muffled. They're muffled. Now, the Bible tells us, and Simeon, the Bible says, blessed them. Listen. And he said to Mary, his mother, not to Joseph. The Bible doesn't say he said to both of them, Joseph and Mary. No. He says, he says to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed and destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. The prophet is speaking. Now, this is prophecy. I'm not talking about phone numbers. This is prophecy. I'm not talking about number plates. I'm not talking about dates of birth. This is prophecy. This is a prophet. So the Bible tells us, he says that this child is appointed and destined for the fall and rising of men in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against. 35, and a sword, he's telling Mary, will pierce through your own soul also that the secret thoughts and purposes of many hearts may be brought out and disclosed. Wow. Let me demystify this. One, Simeon is telling Mary that a sword will pierce through your own soul. He's not telling Joseph. Why? Because Simeon sees by the Spirit that by the time the sword pierces the soul of Mary, Joseph will not be alive. Did you get it? Remember at the cross? The Bible tells us as Jesus is on the cross, he tells Mary, now, woman, behold your son, pointing to John. And then he tells John, John, behold your mother. So when Jesus was at the cross, he handed Mary over to John. And the scriptures say that day, John went with Mary to his house and to his own home. That means from the day Jesus was crucified 
Mary lived with John as his son. Now, in Jewish culture, a first son cannot hand over his mother to another man if his father is alive. It's not possible. Why? Why would Mary be handed over to John for Mary to go to John's house when she's married to Joseph? So, Joseph at that time had died. See, there's many things many people actually don't know about the household that raised Jesus. I can actually preach to you the level of poverty that was in that house according to scripture. Now, back to the story. So, he turns to this woman and he tells her that a sword shall pierce through your soul because he sees the tears of a mother in the loss of her son. He sees them. He doesn't talk to Joseph because by the prophetic he sees that by that time this man shall die and see the wisdom of this man. He doesn't tell Joseph, by that time you'll actually be dead anyway. It takes great wisdom for somebody to know or understand what that meant or why he says that. So we see him not only speaking in the destiny of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but he's speaking into the destiny of Israel. He's speaking into the destiny of Joseph. He's speaking into the destiny of Mary. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why? Because one man knew Jesus a certain way. Now, of course Mary and Joseph marvel. Because even though they are the father and mother of this boy, they don't know him so deeply as they should. They don't know him so deeply as they should. Yes, she carried Jesus in her womb. It's true. It's true. But you remember scripture is clear that when they prophesied on the destiny of Jesus Christ, the Bible says Mary kept these things in her heart. Why does she keep those things in her heart in the 19th verse? Because she did not know them. Everything spoken of the Christ in wisdom, everything she would hear, she was speaking information about the very life she held in that womb for nine months. Because it's more than having him in the womb for nine months. It's more than eating with him. It's more than you know, sharing a house with him. It's more than walking with him. It's more than going to the same church he goes to. It's more than being his brother. It's more than being his cousin brother. It's more than being his relative. It's more than playing with him. It's more than that. You have to know him a certain way. Mary too was progressively coming to the knowledge of this man. Joseph too was progressively coming to the knowledge of this man. And guess what? There is a man who is not in their house but by the Spirit, he can be led and he's told, this is the Christ. Again, I ask, who do you say I am? When I read Simeon, I was moved. And this is why I was moved by Simeon. This man functioned in all that glory under an inferior covenant. Under an inferior covenant. And Anna as well, the prophetess which had lost her husband after seven years of marriage. From that day, she commits and dedicates her life into the temple. She lives in the temple up to the age of 85. She comes as well, and she starts to speak words and praising this man because she too gets a revelation. But she there's a deeper truth there. Because if Jesus comes as the word in the flesh, at the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And so we see Simeon and Hannah as the two testimonies that are necessary for the establishment of this prophetic. They have come 
to dedicate this boy in their mind. He has come to reveal himself to them in God's mind. Two things are happening under the same order of things. Joseph and Mary think they've come to dedicate him. God knows he has sent a prophet Simeon, an honor, to come and reveal and define the destiny as it was revealed to them. He has come to reveal himself in the flesh, but these ones think that he has come to be dedicated unto God. Imagine, they are getting God to be dedicated to God. Joseph and Mary are carrying Jesus to be dedicated to God. That's just the fleshly part of it. But who is this Christ? That's the answer. Who do men say I am? And Peter says, you are Christ. I see the Christ. I see more than Jesus. I see Christ. I see more than your fleshly line. I see your spiritual definition. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Now, these things might be so far from some individuals. Especially if you've just gotten born again. Because you need to first understand the basic principles of salvation. But if you've walked with God this far. Again, I take you to this conversation. How would a man have that kind of depth of revelation in an inferior covenant? Now, the Bible says that you are in a superior covenant. You are in the New Testament dispensation. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That means that by the ability of the nature that you have in Christ Jesus, there is a way you are supposed to know Jesus Christ. There is a way you are supposed to design the Christ. When he comes to Paul, he tells him, rise up. And he says, you're now going to be a witness of me. I'm going to send you to the world and use you. You've been persecuting me. But now I'm going to send you to the world and use you. And he says, for you shall go tell the world of the things that I have showed you or revealed to you. And of the things in which I shall appear unto thee. Become a witness and a minister of those things. Become a witness and a minister of the things that I will show you in vision but also in the things in which I shall appear to you. That means Jesus is not subject in the thing in which he appears to a man. It's not one dimensional. I mean, he was the rock from which they drank. He was the cloud. He was the fire. But many of them did not know it. Until later we see the man of the spirit picking it out and says, uh-uh, this spiritual rock from which they drank was actually Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the things in which Christ will appear. He's not subject to always appear as the white man with long hair. That's what you saw in the movies. Jesus is bigger than a white man with hair and a long beard. You'll be amazed when you see him. He cannot be compared to any picture that has been drawn by man. He cannot be compared. He's more than those that acted him. He's more than the depictions that were given. Actually, Jesus was not good looking. Like many videos show him in the flesh. The Bible says there was nothing to be desired of him. This is the word. Not about the handsome fellow you see acting in a movie with long hair and a beard. No. The Jesus in the Bible, the message Bible says there was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. And that's the man in the flesh. And now the Bible comes and says, you know, 
we regard actually no man in the flesh. So we're even defining Jesus. He will not be revealed to you like the original face that the prophets are talking about. And then a man tells me, Jesus appeared to me, but he appears in the picture of the fellow he saw in the movie. No wonder Satan is translated as an angel of light. He's transformed as an angel of light. No, Jesus is more than just the physical attribute. The spirit Jesus is the son of God. He's amazing. When you get a vision of him, the reality of his name and identity, his person, far surpasses any picture you could ever draw of mankind. Only those who have seen him understand it. I'm not talking about those who claim to have seen him, but I'm not seeing him. Or have seen a form because they are familiar spirits that appear to men. And these men assume that actually this is Jesus Christ. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're Elias. Or some say you're Jeremiah. But who do you say that I am? The Bible says in the book of Psalms 36 verses 9. For with thee is the fountain of life. The very life John saw. <laughs> And he says, and because of that, in your light, we shall see light. The demystification of this mystery is how, as his knowledge comes us, it breaks all depths to take us to the next level of revelation. And as we get into the next level of revelation, again, those depths are broken for the next level of revelation. And so, in light, we see light. And in light, we see light. And all of that is because we have gotten to connect to the fountain of life in him was life and the life was the light of men and that light shines in darkness and darkness comprehended him not the bible says in john 8 verses 12 and then spake jesus again unto them saying i am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of that life he shall have the light of that life. So the highest revelation of Christ is in that life. And we connect and fellowship with him through the word of that life. And we only reveal and are revealed of him to the world through the light of that life. Some say, some say, but who do you think I am? I will exalt you. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. You are my You're my hiding place, my safe refuge, my treasure, Lord. You are. You're my friend, my King, anointed one, most holy. Anointed 
Some call me the King of Kings, but who do you say I am? Some call me the Lord of Lords, but who do you say I am? I will exalt Who is Jesus? I will. That's why the Bible says that this is eternal life. Eternal. That you might know Him, the one true God. And his son Jesus Christ, my hiding place, my refuge. Come on, pray wherever you are. You're my treasure, Lord. You are. You're my friend and king. Anointed one, most holy. place my self refuge my treasure lord you were you're my friend my king most holy you're my hiding place my self-refuge, you're my treasure, Lord, you are, you're my friend and king, and Lord, that one, you're most Thank you. 
because of you're with me. Tell him because you're with me. Sara Brozorobo Sike Terebra Roba Zatala Bayarada de Lelebo. Oh, Shalala Lele Bayarada de Lelebo. I will not fear. Tell him because you're with me. Because you're with me. You're with me. Because you're with me. You're with me. Because you're with me. I shall not be. Tell God that I may know you. Tell Jesus that I may know you. I know that we may know you. Brazotolo bro sakatalapaya. Oh sile praya talaba. Zabro seke shilelebo. My hiding place. So bro sataba kose telepa. Brazele mando bro sakatalapaya raba. My Rema tara brosa la mando, sile brosi ke telepo, salande lehese, reko talabayelelebo, eshi broso la brosa la mando. Mosho, Father, we thank you, thank you for your word. Our hearts prayers that we may know you cause us to know you. Give us a revelation of who you are. May we know you, God. May we understand who you are and relate with you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name. Those which are sick in your body, you have somebody in hospital on oxygen, just mention their name under this anointing and say you are healed. God is healing cancer, COVID. God is healing migraines. God is healing reproductive systems. God is healing wombs. Fibroids are disappearing. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. If you're there and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Best gift you could ever receive this season, to know Him. I have spoken enough for any man who is going to be converted today to be converted without convincing. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you 
because you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. And tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.